welcome to the Edition Wars podcast, where we take a deep dive into the mechanics and playstyles of all of the editions of our favorite game. We look at what worked, what didn't, what led to better games, as well as what didn't, and we talk about it all. In this episode, my co-host Sam Dillon and I are going to discuss Unearthed Arcana 2023, Player's Handbook, Druid and Paladin. We're getting a little serious in the subtitles, but... It's fine. It's fine. So this is the newest packet. Um, it came out uh, the week before we recorded. So a week ago today, I think was yeah. was Friday or Thursday. Anyway, about a week late, ago, late February, late February twenty three. Yeah, and um, we finally get a chance to talk about it. And uh, so it's great to be here with you tonight sam how are you doing i'm i'm pretty good how about you yeah i'm okay yeah uh, it's it's been a while there was a there was a kerfuffle in between this recording and yeah. the last time that you and i talked yeah it's just in case anything happened in january yeah um, right. <laughs> i mean we we did have an episode on that we did which that's true it was, yeah. was cool and then uh, moments after we recorded that everything changed again yes. and suddenly <laughs> Uh, it was all everyone learning exactly what CCBY stands for, right? <laughs> so that was that was kind of cool, but we're not going to rehash that tonight. Um, no, we're going to move on. Uh, you know, press boldly forward into the unknown. Um, and there's nothing new in the the opening two pages of boilerplate, really. Um, yep. so we're gonna, gonna press past that. Um into talking about the first part that's new, which is the Druid class, which is part of the priest group. Uh, that's what we knew it was going to be part of the priest group. No, no surprise there. Right. Um, so uh, the, the only sort of outstanding element of the flavor text for me is that the flavor text for a whole class name checks elemental evil. That kind of surprised me, right? It name checks um, the four the, elements here. The, the the four elements and the cults of elemental evil, mm-hmm. which you know, based on this, you would expect to see as a major part of D anD D canon and, and lore. But they show up in one fifth ed adventure mm. total, and uh, one that I think most people haven't played. Um, well, it was early in the cycle it, it was and uh, you know it it, yeah. it it's a a concept with a lot of legacy in D, mm-hmm. right uh i'm not trying to sort of take away from that legacy mm-hmm. but uh at the same time like i've never played anything that touched on um the cult of elemental evil because you know especially all through editions before fifth it was pretty exclusively a Greyhawk thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't played a game set in Greyhawk. So, you know, there you are. Yeah, I mean, they did do a Homlet redo for fourth edition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they did They did try to bring it in, uh, and they put it on the Narath world map in the mm, okay. Con- Conquest of Narath board game. Nice. Because they put they put sort of the ancient dungeons and historic dungeons and whatnot um, on that map as well. 
But yeah, I mean, I I hear that. I, I mean, I guess my thing is I wouldn't read too much into this. No, I'm, I'm other not. Other than, you know, like maybe when they get to the point where they start releasing a little tiny. Because I remember in D&D Next, in the D&D Next playtest, you know, they released a couple of small adventures uh, for us to playtest. And it was uh-huh. the Caves of Chaos, right? Uh-huh. And there was yep. a Rescuing Blingdenstone one. And there was a couple others. There was and, Dead and Thay. Well, I, I mean the actual adventures in the packets. I don't mean uh, okay, tru- yeah. truly like published, released adventures. Okay. I just mean the little packet ones, right? So I guess the, what I'm the way I'm viewing this is they might give us a little packet adventure where there's an elemental cult. Sure. You know. Um, I mean. My takeaway is, hey, it would be great if they did decide to do more with the elemental cults. That'd be neat. I would, mm-hmm. I'd be up for that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Already more time on it than sure. it's. Uh, yeah. Column inches. I mean, the, the flavor text is the flavor text. It's probably going to change. Uh, for sure. You know. For sure. I mean, that's just it. It just it's nice to see it, right? Because it means that it's not just oh, here's stats. Now play test it, right? It's trying yep. to at least give us a feeling for what they're going for. So that's good. That's fine. So uh, the next thing is the the chart of the druid progression, you know, the, the table. Um, and there's a lot of feature names on here. Mm. They've uh, they've gone to some lengths to make sure that you are getting some kind of feature, not counting a new level of spells at mm. every character level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, uh, as I'm going to be talking about, I think that many of them do not sort of live up to their promise. Um, there's also a new column uh, called Channel Nature. We, we There wasn't a Channel Divinity column for the cleric uh, in the previous packet, mm-hmm. but there's a sidebar explaining that, uh, hey, there's going to be Channel Divinity uses um, per long rest, just right. like there are with Channel Nature, mm-hmm. and we see the same thing in the Paladin below, right? Right. So, basically, what it comes down to is, um, hey, we tried to uh, have these uses scale with character level or proficiency bonus or something like that, and that that failed for us. That mm-hmm. that, that was a miss. And so we just added a column that is your number of uses per long rest. But it's not just per long rest because it's all you also regain one per short rest, which I'm pretty happy about. Yeah. So let me ask you before we move on a, sure. a, a question about uh, the class features. So you said that they don't all live up to their promise, right? But mm-hmm. do you mean in inter- so uh, let me let me phrase this correctly the way that I mean to ask it. Yeah. Would you rather? And I'm not asking what you think is good design, although that it probably is in parallel with what you would prefer. But would you rather have levels where there's no class feature given for that level up other than whatever excess spells or whatever? Mm-hmm. So that you could, when you did have class features, they were more substantial. Or would you rather have something small every level? So the reason that I think these are a miss is salient to that question. Mm-hmm. I can't divorce why I think these miss from everything else to, to look at just narrowly what you asked. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I think several of these miss because 
they are going to wind up being non-features for druid subclasses that are not Circle of the Moon. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is a serious problem. But it, if, that's the only subclass in this packet, though, right? It's the only subclass in this packet, but there's not even an implication that it's going to be the only one in the player's handbook. Right, and but I'm, I we, we shouldn't I'm be looking is... at a druid progression that is uh, customized to one subclass. That That's nonsense in 5e design or, or 1D&D design. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is we don't know that that's we don't know that that's not what we're looking at. We do though, we really do. Um, there's there's no because approach of, to you this mean, because of the because of the existence of just where it says, for example, subclass feature means uh, that every druid gets everything, and then the the only things that rely on their subclass are the subclass feature. So, right. Yes. There's not alternate subclass features mm-hmm. to replace um, right. Might of the Land and alternating forms and Wild Resurgence and Beast Spells. But none of those features mean anything at all to your intended play style if you are not Circle of the Moon. Now, if they're going to introduce some other circles that want to be in a Beast form, mm-hmm. that's fine, but they're going to be repeating themselves a lot from right, so, the baseline of Circle of the Moon, so they don't like doing that. But maybe this, so maybe the answer there, though, is, this is just a presentation issue because they could just say, you know, uh, they could just say uh, Circle feature, right? Sure. In, instead of some of these, but they didn't do that because it might be confusing. Well, because they're not going to write a whole separate like a whole alternate feature in place of might of the land. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not how this works. Yeah. I understand. I'm, I'm just saying like, I guess I'm, I'm exploring. Why couldn't they? Right. Uh, well, that's, that's I mean, what I'm exploring. B- because they've very firmly set their flag on your subclass grants features mm-hmm. at Three, six, ten. Yes, no, 14, I, 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 I get no it. No other time. I, 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 I get it. I, I, but what I'm saying is, um, they could decide to do it differently. <laughs> I mean, that would be fine. It's just that would be such a, uh, such a course correction mm-hmm. as to make everything, as to essentially say we can't have a conversation about it because that line of concept requires ideas totally not in evidence. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I, but I guess, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I understand that about my question, but what I, all I'm saying is, well, it it doesn't even matter because we could talk about this for an hour, but my point is that would be a little bit more innovative than what they're doing. Uh, it, it would, right. Um, I would rather uh, see that innovation than see what they've done here, I guess, is my. Sure. Sure. That's right. And, and you know, standardizing form is very much the, the trend line of one D and D. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, there, in a lot of ways, having a standardized form is very good. Right. Can be. I understand the, the benefits of that, but 
anyway, let, let's let let's go ahead and and move on and get into it, and then we can talk about things individually rather than yeah. just talking about philosophical desires. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much of the core of the druid is unchanged, right? Mm-hmm. The eight hit die, fine, sure. Right. Intelligence, wisdom as proficient saves, sure. The skills, your skill options are unchanged. Uh, your weapons go down to just simple weapons. You, you're not proficient in scimitar anymore. Though you did pick up short sword because it moved to being simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you're proficient in the herbalism kit. Fine. Armor training. Uh, there's not all of the business around. You're proficient in light and medium armor, but only me- you can only wear armor that isn't metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's only light armor. And still also shields. Right. Um, so it's weird that they're not proficient in hide armor, but also hide armor is terrible. And it's not really designed for PCs to use. It's designed to be the substandard stuff that NPCs use, much like padded armor. Um, and so it just doesn't appear here. They just didn't include it as even an option because it is a trap choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, hide armor is the same as studded leather, but worse. <laughs> um, so then you get your starting equipment. Well, I mean, oh, if you if you couldn't wear metal, though, you couldn't use studded leather. That is essentially true, though. Which is, which is why which getting is why. people to argue about well, could you put some other kind of scale in there is also a huge waste of time sure and i i I, and i'm not saying i want that argument right now i'm just saying i understand the provenance of where that came from yeah Um, studded leather was definitely metal studded previously in previous editions and therefore if you were a druid or some other class that could not wear anything or you utilize implements that were metal then you could not wear studded leather and hide therefore was your better option yeah um also you can now use elven chain as a result of this, because it's uh, armor that doesn't mm-hmm. uh, require proficiency. You don't have to be proficient in medium. Oh, you don't have, to have training in medium armor to use Elven Chain. Um, but um, the the thing that I kind of miss about this is that the Druid eventually winding up in really cool dragon scale medium armor. Uh, which was a possibility, especially in third, mm-hmm. was just neat. Uh, is it a good basis for class design? I mean, maybe not, but also maybe you could redesign hide armor to not be something no one should ever use. <laughs> just throwing out options here. Um, so I, I kind of feel both ways about that change. Mm-hmm. Um, the starting equipment is fine. It's whatever. Sure. Um, and so we get the multi-classing the druid section, which is not at all controversial. There's nothing to really see here. Um, we get into druid class features. And so the first one is channel nature, uh, which is essentially making the statement that uh, a channeling feature is the unifying concept of your uh, priest group classes, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to see that again in Paladin. Um, so your channel nature, uh, your uses per long rest are listed in the table. 
you start at two and go up to four. Um, over the course of the, the game, you hit four at ninth level. And so you stop gaining after that. But four per long rest is pretty good, considering that you do also regain one per short rest. And I am very happy about every class gets something back on short rest as a principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have to get retrofitted into Rogue somehow, if that's a thing that's going to be true. Um, maybe also Ranger, I can't recall off the top of my head. But point is, uh, there's a short rest mechanic, and I like that because it means that short rests are not sort of getting pushed out of the game sort of more firmly. Um, the initial thing that you can do with Channel Nature is Wild Shape. Um, Wild Shape lets you uh, take on one of the it, it, you know an animal form, but it's not a monster stat lock out of the monster manual that is of type beast and is of a CR governed by a table in the druid write-up as it was before. Mm-hmm. Now you have a procedural stat block um, for uh, animal of the land, and then later on you get animal of the sea and animal of the sky. Um, is that stat block in here? Yeah, yeah, that's on uh, page seven. Oh, that's why. If you scroll down a little more. Um, oh, I see. Okay. So that procedural stat block uh, gives you uh, a new armor class. Uh, any gear you have on goes away. You either drop it or you incorporate it and stop benefiting from it. That includes magic items. And I think the, and that includes magic items part is a pretty bad problem in D&D. Um, I think that characters who as a fundamental gameplay approach don't use magic items in combat such as circle of the moon druids who are expected to be in a a wild shape in combat i think that they don't have a lot to want and i think that's a problem because dnd likes a reward loop Uh, i think that is not serving the core gameplay loop of D&D very well at all. Um, Your armor class is pretty much going to top out at 15 until uh, you reach 20th level and get an epic boon that lets lets it become 16 because your wisdom goes up. Mm -hmm. That's also not super impressive if if you're expected to be a frontline combatant for, you know, anything past the earliest levels, there's no other way for it to scale that we can see right now, because Barkskin doesn't do anything to AC anymore. Um, Animal of Land does give you a good speed. Um, it replaces your strength index with your wisdom score, uh, so that you don't need to be a weird dex wisdom build to play a circle of the moon druid or whatever, or strength wisdom build. Um, that would be a pain. Um, and then you retain your normal um, con intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores. Uh, you gain dark vision. Uh, you retain your knowledge of languages. Uh, you retain your proficiency bonus. But 
you do lose all of your save proficiencies and all of your skills. Because they aren't listed in this stat block, you lose them. The text is pretty clear that anything not specifically listed as retained is lost. So that's a real bummer. <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's going to wind up just being an oversight, not an intentional design, but it's it's a problem in this draft. Um, you have keen senses, so do advantage on... you think it's on, an oversight, though? I, I do think it's an oversight. Yeah. Mm. I mean, to me, it feels like an intentional nerf. Right. They they turn this into something that actually isn't a very good frontline combatant. Right. So um, that that's a that'd be a really awful problem for the Circle of the Moon Druid that has nothing to do but be a frontline combatant. Right. But I I mean I, I'm saying. Uh, Right. So, but <laughs> I, I, I guess, um, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I, I, it just, it feels very much less usable than the current. It is. Uh huh. And it, so, so it, since that's, that's, uh, intentional, right? Well, um, maybe I, I get the feeling it's the let's pull everything back and then maybe we'll add things until we get to the point where we, you know, we'll see what people think about it, and then we'll right. add things to get to the point where it actually feels better, right? right. Um, and but now you're talking about, okay, at first level, this druid can transform into, you know, a giant rat, uh, and that's not going to be a frontline combatant. They're going to be using that transformation to do other things in the game, not necessarily, you know, stand in the front line and scratch. Right. Uh it is hard to see what the combat use case argument would be for any of the baseline animals mm -hmm. um, because with no additional hit points and an AC that is barely, if at all, better than your normal AC right? and a damage output that is barely, if at all, better than your normal damage output, mm -hmm. um, it's it's not a great argument for use in combat. Right, the Circle of the Moon helps this. Right. I want to want to be clear. We'll get to how the Circle of the Moon helps, but it's it's pretty bad right out the gate. Right, but that's um, that's kind of my point though, is that they've turned it into something that's not really so meant so, to be so the right. combat thing. Right. This is so, the flavor. Let's let's let the druid wild shape and go do tasks that an animal can do. Right. And I agree that circles other than Circle of the Moon mm -hmm. are not intended to use wild shaping as a main combat approach right. because they've always got better options just by doing literally any other thing. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's hard to see how uh, you know they wouldn't have a better option just doing almost anything because the, the wild shaping, you know, cuts them off from using spells while their cantrips are pretty competitive mm -hmm. with, with this, the AC that you can get from, uh, you know, subtle leather armor, a shield and a decent dex is definitely competitive with 15, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. you, you need a, a dex of 12 
once you have that sort of leather armor to keep up with a 15 if you're using a shield. That's pretty easy to hit, is my point. Um, so, so no, I agree that these wild shapes are not intended for combat use by non-moon druids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't really want to get into uh, the sea and sky forms right now, but you're not you know, getting all of the other things that your animal form would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, an example that came up in the Tome Show Discord today is uh, y- you can't turn into a spider-type creature and have a proper functioning spider climb where you can cling to walls because that's not a thing in Animal of the Land, right? Right. Uh, you have yeah, a climb speed, but it's not yeah. spider climb. Right, so right. you can't uh, hang from right. uh, inverted surfaces. And you have to be fifth level. And you have to be fifth level. Um, and so on through any other animal-based task where you would think to yourself, okay, so I need to figure out an animal that could solve this with its you know, natural form and abilities. Mm-hmm. And that's right. a, an interesting, fun, creative part of Druid play. Um, what they're trying to do is get people away from using monster manual stat blocks because right. monster manual stat blocks uh, cause a series of problems. Sure. Uh, one, every monster has to be balanced. Every you know, beast type creature has to be balanced on, is it okay for a PC to be this? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a serious design constraint that stops beasts from getting, you know, interesting stuff that maybe shouldn't be in player hands all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a change I wholeheartedly support. Right. I, I like the principle of the procedural stat block. I think that they need to take a note from how they, they handled procedural summons in um, Tasha's mm-hmm. and how they handle procedural summons later in this document. Uh, where you have a choice point between, for example, Celestial Fey and Fiend, mm-hmm. um, you know, Animal of the Land could have an additional choice point, right? Where you get some additional complicating feature, but the, it tweaks the stat block to mm-hmm. accomplish a task. Right. Um, I've talked about this on air before a lot, but I mean, here here's the thing, right? They could just add a, a line. Right. If you mm-hmm. choose a spider form or a form of creature that naturally climbs, here's what that gives you. Here's sure. you know, and if you choose a form that naturally has a great sense of smell, here's what it gives you. And if you choose a form that naturally has a very quick speed, if it runs, here's what it gives you. And if it, you sure. know what I'm saying, and mm-hmm. just like they don't have to actually say spider, bear, horse, right, rat. Uh, uh, did a wizard make one of those? A spider, bear, horse. No, I'm Ugh. just saying <laughs> they might have. I'm just saying, like, they don't have to actually say that it's a bear they're talking about or a spider mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about. They could say if you choose a, a beast that would naturally be able to climb, here's what you get from that. Here's what you yeah. can no, and no, cannot I, do. Right? I, I agree. Right. Um, the other thing that I want to see is um, a distinction in combat tasks. Um, because the, the animal of the land, as written, even with the aid of additional features from the Circle of the Moon, mm-hmm. doesn't have a clear combat 
role distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the there, there's really kind of mainly two different things you want a wild-shaped druid to be able to accomplish in melee combat. One of them is being a big, beefy bear, and the other is being a, you know, murdering you with its claws cat. Mm-hmm. I, I might have played a lot of World of Warcraft. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, but like I loved my um, my shape-shifting druid in World of Warcraft, and I loved my shape-shifting druid in 4th edition D&D. They felt very similar because it didn't cost me anything to switch between forms other than a minor action, right? right. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm clawing things to death as a kitty. I'm popping out to heal something. Okay, now I'm back to tanking as a bear or whatever. And that's really, that versatility is a huge part of the, the fun of a fourth edition druid or a World of Warcraft uh, shape-shifting druid. Um, and the distinction between this feels like I'm playing a panther, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, tears things apart with its claws. It can't take a lot of hits, but boy, does it kick out the damage if it you know, jumps on you and gets to tear you up as opposed to a bear. I mean, it's, it's scary. It does good damage, but its main thing is that it can take a hit and still be okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the 2014 uh, circle of the moon druid doesn't deliver on either of those concepts very well because you outgrow the monster manual stat block of the cool shape you want to be. And you kind of wind up just looking for whatever the highest CR thing is. And since that's going to be probably uh, a Tyrannosaurus Rex, you're going to wind up with a lot of Tyrannosaurus Rexes running around your combat. And is that really what you want? Like that's a really specific tone that is great. If you're playing tombs of annihilation or to, to annihilation, but not right for every game. Right. But, um, but this procedural block here is too restrictive. Yes, I agree. Because it doesn't give you all of those. And it doesn't, I, I guess, it doesn't give you the armor class to keep up. It doesn't right. give you any additional hit points. And so my it, that's why I say, to me, this is a non-combat creature stat block, right? This I, is, I, I agree that yeah. th- this as written is not meeting its goal of being useful in combat, even right. for the Moon Druid that is definitely supposed to use it in combat. Right, right. And I agree with that. And my premise is, though, they could actually fix it quite easily, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They actually could fix it. I think that in a future draft, this might get might get fixed. Yeah. I think it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, so, so let's move on from those. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I want to flag before we leave is that you do get multi-attack at fifth level. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. That's going to get called out as a feature. Yeah. Well, and uh, if you're Circle of the Moon, I think you get you get a bonus attack on right, strike, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so without even having to be fifth level, so right. So you, a Circle of the Moon Druid in that form has three attacks per round, right? Which is better, <laughs> right? Just to state the obvious, it's better. Sure. Better. Yes, but um, yeah. So so right. Um, 
there's there's a duration uh, attached to wild shape. Also, uh, you lose wild shape if you're incapacitated, or if you die, or if you choose to end it early. Um, but it's not. I ran out of this form's uh, mm-hmm. natural hit points. So right. I get kicked back. I always hated that because that's not how the fantasy works to me. Right. Right. Um, when when you see people doing shape shifting stuff in um, fantasy shows and movies, it's very much, you know, a beast attacks someone. They they fight it off and knock it out or kill it, and it turns out only when it is dead mm-hmm. or dying does it revert to its humanoid form, mm-hmm. and then you're in a rush to save them or whatever. Right. Or, or or that's just when you find out that it was always a, sh- a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you lose your equipment uh, either through dropping it or it merging into your form has no effect. So you're very much stuck with your stat block other than any spells that are cast on you. Um, let's see. So there's a, a sidebar talking about channel divinity and channel nature, really just saying, hey, this thing we're doing in channel nature, yes, that's going to get mm-hmm. backfilled to the cleric, we promise. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we talked about there being a bad multi-classing problem with the cleric mm-hmm. and uh, they agreed. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it calls out very specifically the thing we said, so right. that's fine. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it, you take one a dip into cleric and you've suddenly got something really awesome forevermore. Yep. Um, so you, you learn druidic anyway, druidic is fine. Um, I have no real notes on, on this, um, except that, Hey, you have to both, uh, uh, pass an investigation check and use magic to decipher it. If you're not a druid, woof, that is, that is some serious information security, I guess. I mean, it, to me, it sounds like they're going for you. You might actually see marks on that tree over there, but you don't distinguish them as language unless you're a druid. Right. That's what they're going yeah. for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I'm I not do. sure they succeed, <laughs> but that's what they're going for. Yeah. Um, I, I do actually dig that as yeah. a theme, right? I, I like the idea of that a lot. Um, so then we get into spellcasting. There's actually nothing to say about spellcasting. It works exactly like mm-hmm. you would expect. Yeah. Um, except that you have to prepare according to, you know, number uh, of spell slots at each level. I don't know why they made that change. I still don't get it. It seems pointlessly restrictive to me, but fine. Um, there isn't a, a sample spell list in this document, which surprised me. What do you uh, mean? They, in the cleric document, there's a, here's a default spell list for you if you don't want to pick. Well, it, I like, mean, here uh, they have, uh, sorry, the, sorry. here's what you have prepared, but you can also prepare these other spells otherwise. But, but they ran it out to 20th level for the cleric. Yeah, I mean they, they didn't do that in this document. No, but they but remember in the last one they had full spell lists. 
They've got a full spell list in this for the oh, do they? for, for See, primal. I literally haven't. I, yeah. I I audience, dear audience, I am going through this at the same time you are, yeah. <laughs> or at the same time you are listening to it here. Yeah. Uh, so um, the the primal list appears. They just didn't include a like default yeah. prep list all the way to twentieth. I mean, anyway, I don't have a um, with that, but yeah. neither do I. It's fine. Uh, just a surprising shift. It makes me wonder about things. Um, so nature's aid is, uh, two new ways to use your channel nature. Um, you, you gain healing blossoms, which is a, uh, small, uh, area of effect heal. You roll, um, a number of D fours equal to your wisdom modifier. So a cap at five D four, um, and distribute those hit points however you want to creatures in a 10 foot radius sphere. So it's true that you can get this back with a short rest, but that's an average of 13 hit points with no way to scale up past that. Mm-hmm. Don't spend it all in one place now. <laughs> I, I, I think this is Over not worth having. Maybe it should have been D eights. It, D, it, D tens. I, I don't know. Like even D sixes. Yeah. I don't know, but like stopping at 5d6 and having no additional way to scale with yeah. druid level seems kind of um, right. not yeah. very helpful. Sure. Um, and having it set to your wisdom modifier uh, doesn't stop it from being potentially an appealing multi-class dip. It just stops it from being appealing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, like. I don't know. Being able to drop a bunch of healing blossoms is just, it it winds up being um, only a little more versatile than having some additional, you know, first level cure wounds spells. Yeah. I mean, it it strikes me as something that is there because it's very thematic and it could be the one thing in a clutch that saves somebody's life. Sure. And that's sure. that's when you'll be thankful you have, you know, 4D4 right. to give to them. Right. I mean, just as a – it's not something you're, that you're going to rely upon as the go-to thing or the reason why somebody would choose to be a druid. Like, it's just not. Right. Not but it, in comparison with Divine Spark, the, mm-hmm. the most comparable of features, right. uh, it, it sure doesn't feel like much. Sure. I agree. Um, I agree. You also get Wild Companion, which is a druid find familiar, right? The creature stays for stays until your long rest, and it's always type Fey. Mm-hmm. And you, you use the new form, new version of find familiar, which is in this document. Um, much like Wild Shaping, find familiar is now a procedural stat block, um, and that that procedure doesn't grant things like flyby attack mm-hmm. right right uh, because it isn't an owl anymore it's a spirit that you could shape as an owl but would not behave like an owl right um and what page that's way down in the rules glossary section okay. oh sorry it's in the spell section which is separate from rules glossary oh. i should be honest about that I'm just looking for it so i can um, show the audience uh right so you're looking for page 18 please I wasn't far enough. There we go. Page 18. 
page 19. There it is. Otherworldly familiar. Um, and so I don't have a problem with the procedural concept. Um, it means that, you know, new low CR creatures in uh, future monster books mm -hmm. uh, don't have to be balanced around, hey, is this overpowered as a familiar? And right. you aren't sort of yeah. going hunting for sure. an, a new overpowered use case, which I didn't love. Um, my player who uh, builds a lot of characters around how can I have an owl with flyby attack who can help uh, is certainly disappointed right now. Mm -hmm. And I got used, I guess, sufficiently used to that just being a thing that his characters were going to do that I sort of stopped objecting to it much. Mm -hmm. But um, it's weird to see it gone now uh, because the the combat side use case for familiars is largely gone, mm -hmm. um, as we'll get to eventually, but probably not tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, be a separate recording. Another another problem that I don't have a problem with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like I, my my objection one way or the other. Yeah, my my objection is not especially sharp there. Yeah. Uh, not like it is with healing blossoms. Um, so, uh, your druid subclass stuff is three, six, ten, fourteen. No surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, your feats are uh, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, nineteen. Again, not a surprise. No surprise. Um, so, at fifth level, you get might of the land, which gives you your multi attack um, in your animal of the land form, mm -hmm. and also your climb speed. Um, those are nice. But multi-attack in your wild shape form is only helpful if using your wild shape form in combat is a good idea. Right. This isn't going to turn it from a bad idea to a good idea because your cantrips also just gained the die of damage. Mm -hmm. Right. And you get, just picked up sort of level spells, which you'd probably like to use. Right. And because your hit point pool doesn't change when you transform into a creature. Correct. There's really no benefit mm -hmm. to transforming right because if you if you do two attacks and you hit with both of them and they both do 1d8 damage when you're oh, in your wild shape 1d8 plus probably four or five because it's your wisdom ad oh sure but but if you do a cantrip it'd be you know probably 2d8 right so i, I guess what i'm saying is the difference there is not large enough to make it really super beneficial to suddenly become a creature in a fight rather than just stay in your druid form. Right. Agreed. In a fight. Uh -huh. Except for the extra attack you get as a bonus attack. For a circle, a circle of the moon. Right. For circle of the moon. Right. So if you, that that's the only difference that you, if you don't want to take a, I mean, if you can't take a bonus action otherwise, because you're in animal form, then you get an extra attack if with that bonus action. Yep. Okay, fine. But still, you lose all of your uh, magic item stuff. You can't cast spells. You've sacrificed a lot to go into wild shape. Gaining a bonus action attack that's an unarmed strike isn't all that enticing. Agreed. Um, so at 7th level, you get your aquatic form. 
this one is pretty nice. It's a shame it got pushed up from fourth level, Mm -hmm. but an underwater travel form is nice. There's just this one problem. It's that you could also cast water breathing, Mm -hmm. which is mostly Mm -hmm. better for you because you want to go at the same speed as your party anyway. Right. And the aquatic form isn't good enough in combat to replace you just being you in combat. Right. You need to be able to just do your thing and play your class in combat and cast your spells. The aquatic form would need to be combat competitive for you to want to actually use it for more of an underwater adventure. Now, does I'm, it I'm, put restrictions on what kind of sea creature you can be? Uh, dolphin, sea turtle, octopus, shark. I mean, you can be any of those, but you don't gain any of their traits. No, you only get other than what's in the step block. And water. Yeah. Right. So I guess my thing is the only benefit to that would be from the role playing aspect. Uh, sure. If you're taking the form of a shark, a lot of other creatures are going to avoid you and the rest of the party that's swimming behind you. And I think that is valid Fair. and fun. Right. And, but, and, and cool. Right. I, I like right. that, that level of creativity. Um, just let's assume that actual monster monsters are your problem or or not. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where, again, I was going for, okay. I could see where they're making this a utility flavor kind of thing, right? Not really a combat ready creature. Uh, And you do still have multi-attack in your aquatic form. Mm -hmm. It's just your damage die goes down. So I'm not sure why that was necessary. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so. Um, at ninth level, you get aerial form. Your damage die goes down again. Um, but you can fly, and you have really good dark vision. There's a lot of dark vision. Um, you do have flyby, right? Um, so I mean, sure, but... <laughs> you, you can skirmish enemies to death. That's yeah. nice to have. Right? Um, for for um, that, that's for definitely one, nice to have. One d four, but <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah, it, it's not by, very good by damage. The, by the time sure. you're by the time you're here and you're skirmishing for one d four, why are you in that form? Uh-huh. Unless unless yeah, you're the you only could be one doing... that can fly, and you're the only one therefore that can reach that enemy that you need to take out. Well, scratching right. out its eyes, but. It, yeah. And for some reason, you couldn't use a cantrip and just zorch it. Uh, right, uh, right, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you might be I'm, bad at druid. I'm, 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 I'm just saying, right? Like the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the fact that this comes in at ninth level, I would rather be yeah. at ninth level druid form any day than an owl. Yes. Yes. Um, also, you're, you take an AC hit just, just to yeah. really yeah, rub yeah, yeah, that yeah. in. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're just too stingy on all of the wild shape stuff. Um, and then at 11th and ag- level. Again, again, so let me just make it clear. I actually don't have a problem with that if the idea is they're just meant to be utility forms, right? Where you're sure. you're doing it as the druid because there's a reason that an animal could get that task done better than a, a human or, or humanoid shaped creature, right? right. But I, that's I agree not with what that. the circle of the moon is going for right. though. And yeah. like the circle of the moon taking that same damage die hit as everyone else mm-hmm. is just wow, love to see that new form not be helpful in any way. Right. right. Um 
And so, uh, yeah, because also level. let's think oh. about this by ninth level, right? Like there's lots of things you can do to fly. Yeah. You have fifth level spells. Yeah. You can, you can definitely make stuff happen. Right. So, so my point is like, there's really no reason, like, it's not like no one else has access to anything that can fly or do anything aerial at that point in time. Yep. So that's really irritating. I'm kind of irritated by this. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I uh, I feel you, buddy. And, I, and I'm one of those who was like, the moon druid is way too powerful. Like the, the wild shape is way too powerful. Like, I, I mean, I uh-huh. just in general, I think fifth edition characters who have magic splat all over are way too powerful. But, right. Going from a baseline of that's the expected and knowing that in this case, when you wild shape into that owl, that's really awesome. Suddenly you lose everything except for just what's in this stat block and you do 1d4 damage. Okay, you can fly and you have dark vision, but big freaking whoop. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Um, so from there... Uh, at eleventh level, you get tiny critter. Now you can finally become tiny. Now you can be a spider. <laughs> now you can. Now you can be regular size spider. A regular size spider. <laughs> um, so I, I do want to explain that holding back on tiny critter to eleventh level is about protecting uh, characters who whose core thing is infiltration mm-hmm. and, and scouting, because being able to turn tiny and just climb onto uh, you know, an enemy's leg totally unnoticed mm-hmm. and right. infiltrate that way is mm-hmm. really, really good. Right. Or it climb, is really under, good. climb under the door, go into the uh, yeah. wizard's chamber and hear what they're preparing or what they're planning. And like, that's yeah. Or, or just go into the door and open the door. So your friends get right. in, right. whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. those things are all yeah. very, very potent. Right. It's just 11th level. Wow, that is really holding Eight. back <laughs> yeah. a long time on something that is a situational benefit. Right. Um, and also, there's a, a significant duration reduction so that mm-hmm. you can't just go on long infiltration missions this way. Right. And uh, it reduces your damage, which you didn't want to fight in this form anyway, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so th- this is where it really gets too, um, too, too close to the chest on uh, what it's actually giving out at these levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of your infiltration needs, the druid has better things to do anyway by this point, because pass through the trace the second level and affects the whole party. Right. Pass through the trace is still going to be one of the most powerful spells in the game for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I digress. So 13th level, you get alternating forms, which finally gives you the fluidity to shift out of your wild shape form into caster form to do whatever, and then back into animal form without spending another channel nature. Right. Uh, that's all it does. I'm just going to say, this should be the baseline. This, is, this was the baseline function in 4th Ed, and it ruled. It was so much fun. Yeah, It is one of the most fun characters 
I played in that whole edition just for the dynamic of play and always thinking about how to solve problems by changing myself. That was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't capture that. And I think that's a shame. Um, but at, at absolute minimum, this should get kicked down to well below 10th level. Um, this is not a useful feature in any way if you are uh, not a Circle of the Moon Druid. Right? right. Yep. Because mm -hmm. you don't want to be in your wild shape anyway. So switching out of it is not something you should spend time doing. Right. The privilege to go back into it, if you did need to switch in, switch into it is also not helpful right right um yeah the situation where that would be help helpful at all is such a minuscule chance right. of occurring in any given campaign not even any given session any given campaign at one time that that would be a real huge benefit it feels very tenuous to me like that doesn't it doesn't feel like a very useful thing yeah. at this at this high level by the time you're 13th level right i mean think about this you know we're talking about a game where cuz we're now we're still talking about 2014 right but when you're talking about 5th edition like look at the levels range of the majority of their adventure books right you hardly get up to 15th or 16th level right so to not get this until 13th level, eh. Right. Uh, we played all of Tomb of Annihilation, including some additional uh, content after the tomb, and ended at 12. Yeah. Yeah, my, my tomb game ended with them at 12 as well. Yeah. So, like, what, why? <laughs> um, yeah. And that was a good long campaign. I mean, that you know, I'm oh, not that, that tomb campaign ran a long yeah. time. It was a ton of fun. Just yeah, it was great. But it didn't. I mean, uh, to get them to go from twelve to twenty, mm -hmm. I would have had to do a whole other like it, it, you're talking about a whole other campaign. Yep, agreed. So so anyway, um, so at fifth at fifteenth level, you gain wild resurgence. When you use your wild shape, you also trigger a healing blooms. Healing blossoms as part of the same channel nature, so you're getting two for one. It's just that this is only helpful if you want to be turning into a wild shape, right? Which non moon druids don't. At fifteenth level, even the tasks that an animal would complete well, you've got a better way to solve mm -hmm. with some less valuable currency than one of your four channel natures, right? So basically what I'm saying is arguably from fifth level and almost inarguably from 13th level, these features are not features if you are not Circle of the Moon. You gained nothing. There is just there's almost no conceivable use case where you would want to put yourself in the situation to take advantage of this thing. Right. At 17th level, you gain beast spells. This lets you cast your whole range of spells in your wild shape form. This is, of course, only helpful if you want to be in your wild shape form. <laughs> but you don't. Um, also, beast spells uh, 
it is just an improvement on a feature that the circle of the moon gets. Right. So, I mean, at minimum 13, 15 and 17, if you're not circle of the moon, you got nothing. And that I think is a real shame. Um, I think it's going to feel at least as bad as them being dead levels. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you gave me something I can't use is not actually better than you gave me nothing. Right. Um, so then at 18th level, you get Archdruid, which used to be, you know, this is kicked down from 20, the 20th level capstone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be that you got an uh, unlimited number of wild shapes at 20th level, right. and that would just not be very helpful if you were not a moon druid. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um and if you were Moon Druid, it was really, really overpowered. Just hilariously overpowered. Um, so now, whenever you roll initiative, you regain one use of your channel nature. So you're always going to have that available. That's great for Moon Druids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's a lot more healing blossoms, but <laughs> I mean, it, you're averaging about 13 hit points. Right. Uh, you have ninth level spells at this point. I mean, Woo. Right. Again, um, that's one of those everything else has been used. It's a clutch avoid the death of a PC by having yeah. that. It's but just, again, you know, the chances of that right. right? Like it's just it's such it feels like such a small if you're in a party full of 18th level characters. Right. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. You're just right. not gonna get to everyone being out of juice. That is right. almost impossible. Right. Um, then finally, uh, you also slow down your aging. So that's a that's a classic, and I do like to see mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, they have reworked epic boons. So now you gain uh, an additional two points of an ability score that is now capped at 30 rather than 20. So that's kind of cool. Um, it used to be only barbarians could break 20 mm-hmm. with a class feature, and now it's everybody. And that's fine. I love that, actually. Um, and you still gain your epic boon. Um, note that your the epic boons now also give you plus one to an ability score. Mm-hmm. So you're actually getting three points of ability score here. Right. Uh, probably, but not necessarily, all to the same score. So that's kind of cool. Right. That's and at cool. night at nineteenth, you get ability score improvement. If uh, you true. Want it, if yeah. you want it, so nineteenth and twentieth, you could actually increase. An ability score, you know, four points. That's pretty good. Uh, I mean, f- five if you have the if you had the effect from the boon. Right. Yes. Of course. Um, but if you're if your casting stat that you care about isn't twenty by nineteenth level, I that was a choice you made. You had other options. Right. Um, that's fine. Um. But there's a sidebar talking about how epic boons are getting beefed up, and that makes me happy. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think our conversation around that was some of these feel like not 20th level. Yeah, they, they were kind of competitive with first or fourth level feats. Right. Yeah, um, they're much better now. Yeah. We'll get to that uh, probably next episode, mm-hmm. but I, I want to go ahead and say it's much better. Um, and so. The rest of uh, so the next page is wild shapes, which we've already covered. It's not enough, right? 
I, I do think we're going to see some movement on this in a future uh, future draft. No telling when that future draft might be. I just have some hope that we'll see some movement. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it really depends on if they want the druid to be a primary spellcast, primarily a spellcaster who can sometimes shapeshift for utility purposes, or if they really do want the druid to be able to shapeshift and become a frontline or still be a frontline fighter. You, you know what I mean? It depends on the intent, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because yeah, right now agreed. this thing reads as if it has the intent of your wild shape is a utility that you can use, not something that is meant to improve your combat readiness, you know? Yep. I strongly agree with that. Um, so, so druid so, subclass. Yeah. So, so the one druid subclass here, as we have said many times, is circle of the moon. <laughs> um, and their idea is that you would, you know, change forms a lot, and that would just kind of be your life. Mm-hmm. It's very much about sort of your default response to situations is to wild shape into a beast form. Um, so at third level, which is you, exactly the opposite of what I, what I said a second ago, <laughs> right? Well, like, well, it's the opposite from all the other druids, right? Right, right. but. Right. Again, but as you so definitely yeah. pointed out, but that means that if you're not a circle of the moon, half of those class abilities that you get are worthless. Anyway, let's <laughs> I don't want to derail the conversation. So 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 right. Like I, I agree with everything everything you're saying. Like they're they're trying to make this the one that cares about wild shape. Mm-hmm. They're trying hard but not hard enough. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, they nerfed it, right? They want it to be the one that cares about wild shape, but it's, it feels so nerfed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the problem is I'm, I'm sort of looking at this out of context, right? Because I don't know what the feats are going to be like. I don't know what well, the other subclasses are going to be like. Right. Like, sure. so, so in a way I feel like, cause the other subclass could be written as, for example, they could actually like if in, in the other subclasses, they could say, okay, at fifth level, you could either take might of the land or you could choose this other alternate one based on this subclass. I think we can safely assume that is not going to happen. I mean, because to me, that, that would make this more viable. <laughs> that would make it more viable. But I think we can instead assume that they're going to have to do a, a deeper rework yeah. rather than having a subclass that essentially gets features at uh, 3rd, 5th, 7th, 9th, mm-hmm. 10th, 11th, uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, and 17th. I think we can probably guess that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so... You want to go over the circle of the moon? <laughs> yeah. So so you get combat wild shape. Actually, I want to stop and say one other thing first. Okay. I'm yeah. genuinely surprised, and maybe I shouldn't be because this, these aren't really caster druids, but I'm genuinely surprised that there's not a um, special spell list for circle of the moon. Mm. This is not a subclass specific list of spells, and you inter- engage with them in some way. Um, just because 
you see that with so many spellcasting subclasses. Anyway, we got that out of the way. Mm. So third level combat wild shape does three things for you. Uh, one, uh, to take them from the bottom to the top, uh, your wild shaping is a bonus action uh, or a magic action, but it doesn't have to be magic action. So you can shift and attack in the same turn. That's great for not wasting your mm-hmm. whole first turn of combat. Right. I mean, talk about another thing to make sure that non-moon druids don't use their wild shape in right. combat. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, you have to spend your whole turn. Combat's practically over before you changed. <laughs> have right. fun with that. Yeah. Um, so the the one in the middle is the really exciting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make an unarmed strike, which is say one of your you know uh, physical attacks as a, a beast form mm-hmm. as a bonus action. It's not you know you don't fail to add your ability score bonus damage. It's just another D8 plus four or five. Great. Right. That's cool. Everybody loves that. Sure. Um, and that does actually make this a reasonably viable source of damage. Right. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, and that's why I said, like, that is what takes it from, you might as well just stay and cast cantrip, right? Cast a cantrip. Then yep. in this case, now now it's viable to, to transform. Yep. Um, and finally, uh, you can cast spells of the Abjuration School that don't have a material component while wild-shaped. This means you can cast defensive spells of some kinds and healing spells. You can still be the party healer without losing your wild shape, or you can heal yourself, though, I mean, you are missing out on your multi-attack if you Mm -hmm. are fifth level. Right, Um, right. So it still is costing you, uh, you know, a lot of your expected damage output, but you get your claw. Um, and so the unarmed strike is a bonus action is very much like a melee version of the stars druids um, archer form that shoots a uh, bolt of radiant damage mm-hmm. that does D eight plus your ability score modifier. Right. Like that has been one of the most uh, incredibly popular features I've seen in a long time. I'm in three different games that have a, a Circle of the Stars Druid, and they are strictly aware they have other forms, but don't see any reason to use them, because Archer is right. so much fun. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. right. Um, I would like to see an alternative to Quick Attack that was a tanking option of some kind. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would look like, but even if it's just, you use a bonus action to give yourself temporary hit points, would be great right. actually. Yes, it would step on the toes of Barkskin, but I mean, it's Barkskin. It has concentration. Right. You're here to take damage. It's yep. a bad bet for you anyway. Mm-hmm. I digress. Um, <laughs> and actually, while I'm on the topic, I think the abjuration spells should help you retain concentration on your abjuration spells while you're in beast form. I think it just. I think that'd be a good addition here. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you're intended to go mix it up in combat and get hit. And so you need more ways to hold on to your concentration while you're taking high risks. <clears throat> right. Yeah. You need to be beefy, you know, yep. and that, and that's one of the places where those standardized stat block falls down. It even, really, it even really with do. this combat wild shape ability. Right. For sure. Well, this does nothing for your survivability. Nothing. Right. Nothing at all. Uh, at sixth level, there's a very mild nod to your survivability. 
you get elemental wild shape, which gives you um, uh, resistance to one of acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can make your uh, unarmed strikes do that damage type. Right? Um, and you can decide to look like that damage type. This is a replacement in principle for turning into elemental forms. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, the elemental forms in um, the 2014 Moon Druid were very much there to give you something else to look forward to and to, to do that was going to be bigger and better now that you'd outgrown a lot of the standard beast forms, right? which you did. Um, and it just became, hey, that's a cool thing that Druid turns into an elemental. That's neat. And that's not a thing anymore. You don't you don't turn into an LMLO anymore anymore. So huh. Which is interesting considering all the focus on the elemental in the description. Right. Right. Um huh, interesting. So it's it's sort of just a particle effect around your your beast shape mm-hmm. that gives you resistance. Um then at tenth level, you actually get a damage kicker, elemental strike of the same damage type as your elemental wild shape. Which is really nice because you're attacking three times per round, so right. it's you know three d six damage, and that does jump up to two d six extra damage per hit. Well, at seventeenth level, but your but your but your bonus action is an unarmed strike, whereas the your your your, your best deal strike is an unarmed strike too. Is it okay? Yeah, right. just checking. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let me let me look at that to make sure I'm not talking up. Uh, I mean, I think you uh, you'd have to take it that way. Um, I I'm not going to run I, I down the text think, to support. I'm not that right sure now. you have to take it that way. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> it's not a feature if you don't. It it doesn't like. Uh, it, it, to me, it is clear that is what they meant. They meant for this feature to do something and not to not do something. I I guess. I guess then why didn't they say quick attack allows you to make another bestial strike action as a bonus action? Why, uh, why specifically call out unarmed strike? I mean, that's a, uh, Oh, so the reason for that is so that you can um, make a claw attack with ultra self. <laughs> um, because you get ultra self at 14th level with thousand forms. And one of the things you can do with Alter Self is give yourself a claw. Oh, okay. So your unarmed strike is both your bestial strike. I mean, it's an unarmed strike for mm. an animal. It is, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're both melee attacks. I just like, just I was interested in what, the, yeah, what the, why the the language is that way. But that, that makes sense when you're talking about that. Uh, that claw attack that's good that's a good thing. yeah um so anyway uh elemental strike is a, a nice damage kicker that makes the circle of the moon a reasonably competitive damage dealer mm-hmm. you're going to be talking about a a pretty steady um well, let's say you have 20 wisdom because you're 10th level fine you have 20 wisdom right um so 3d8 plus 15 plus uh 3d6 
eventually going up to 3d8 plus 15 plus 66. That's that's pretty fine. Good. That's pretty good. Um, you're probably not topping the charts, mm-hmm. but sure. you're doing pretty good. But you're not. Your job is not to top the charts. Well, the problem is you have no way to improve it with magic items. Mm-hmm. Right. That's I, I harped on this before. I'm going to harp on it again. Um, all of your companions who are hoping for some cool ass legendary sword or something. Mm-hmm. You have nothing for that. You have no right. answer to that at all in your stat block. And if you get a cool ass legendary staff, it is actually competing with your time spent in your subclass. Mm-hmm. That is rough. That is rough. Um, yeah. So I think that the I think the magic item thing is uh, a serious long term problem for druids and Circle of the Moon in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all of wild shaping needs a major facelift. Um, I don't hate the procedural approach, but I do think that you should have some way to pick up maybe one additional a la carte feature from a short list. Whether it's you have a spider like form, right? You can spider climb. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, I don't know, you have a uh, a, a multi-legged form. You resist uh, the you resist taking on the prone condition. Fine, right. like whatever. Just there needs to be one more thing to help distinguish the forms in there, and it's it's missing right now. Right, right. <laughs> um. And the the staying power isn't there. You just mm-hmm. you've got to have some additional uh, resistance to damage, whether it's more hit points or a damage resistance or whatever. It's just not there right now. Um, and that's going to bring us to the end of the druid class. I think that's also going to be the last thing in this packet we cover tonight, yeah. right, Sam? Yeah, I think so. Because there's a lot of packet left, mm-hmm. so. Uh, I have done a lot of the talking, so I want to make sure you get to get the last word on the Druid here. No, I mean, I I think that what I've, my opinions are, have been expressed. I mean, I, I feel like, okay, so as an old school player, self-professed old school player, I don't mind nerfing something, right? Sure. Because I'm used to a power level that is much lower than 5th edition, and I'm okay with that. Um, But my problem is um, you have to nerf all the classes. And and I do think there's actually, we've talked about this before, I do think there is a a certain level of across the board just power drop. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not even an argument when it comes to the rogue. Um, sure. Uh, but I guess uh, my thing is though, that's, and that's fine. Right. But that's where I was going with it was that, but I also don't know the context, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't, we do know that they've nerfed several of them. Right. Remember all of my joking about nerfing the bard. Right. Right. Um, so joking, I, not joking. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, I'm I, I, joking about being upset about it. Cause I don't really like, I'm fine with it, <laughs> but I, I really am. Right. I mean, like, you know, uh, the, the difference between a castles and crusades 
you know, bard and a fifth edition D&D bard is like, you know, a huge gap, right? Uh, just because the power level, the expected power level is so different, right? So, like, I'm okay with making the PCs less powerful. But my fear, though, is that what's going to happen is they they baseline reduce everybody's power. Um, but they don't really do anything to check the power of magic items and spells except for in a few unfortunate classes, right? Yeah, I mean we like haven't the seen druid, right? We haven't seen any changes to uh spells in the broad or magic items, so right. we have to assume they're not happening. And that's and that's argument. and that's where I say like I'm I'm lacking context to what these changes are going to add up to in the yeah. end, right? Yeah, yeah, I because, agree with that. Because I don't have that. So, uh you know, it's really hard, and I think I said this in the last packet discussion, it's really hard for me to take these sort of outside of any other context and really say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I think these are going to be good changes overall. I think I, I might have uh, more problems with the Druid than I had with any of the other changes for any of the other packets. Um, not because I dislike what they've done with the wild shapes. I think, I think forcing the wild shapes to be more utilitarian rather than combat related is a fantastic idea. If you're going to support the game really going in that direction. But then when you look at all the features and everything that they put into this Druid, that's not, those two things are not saying the same thing. Yeah. It's not matching. So I feel like this, I don't know what to do with this. It's, it's like a, it's like a mishmash word salad. It's, it's, if you're a circle of the moon, you're golden, but I mean, you're still nerfed a little bit, but you're not nerfed any more than any of the other classes in the UA packets. So you're probably going to be okay in terms of power level. But if you're a different subclass, well, what are you going to do? I have no idea. Yeah, it's real hard to see the future of of this thing. Yeah, yeah. And again, my overall uh, takeaway from from all of these packets so far still is I understand. Uh, wanting to have a similar formatting and and to to keep things so that it's uh, predictable in terms of when features happen and and all that sort of stuff uh, in terms of level progression but I also feel like I want a little bit more innovation from from this iteration of the game just a just a little bit Throw me a bone here, Watsy. Give me a little bit of innovation. Yep. And I, I don't see it yet. And 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 part and I say yet because part of that again is an, a lack of context issue, right? Like yep. I don't know what where they're going else elsewise, right? We know what we've gotten in the rules glossary, but we don't really know anything else. We don't know anything about creatures. We don't know anything about if they're really changing spells. We don't know anything about how they are envisioning. Uh, adventure design and and encounter design in here, and so 
for me, a lot of this is out out of context, and and it's really hard for me to say, oh, that really is an innovation that is going to be meaningful. I just don't see it yet. So, yeah, yep. I'm I'm in very much the same position on this. I I see how shifting to the procedural blocks is the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, just what's actually in these procedural blocks isn't working. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's going to uh, wrap it for us uh, on, on this episode. And I hope we'll be back very soon with the Paladin and <laughs> a, a new take on Epic Boons and some revised spells and then a whole bunch of stuff to talk about in the Rules Glossary. So. <laughs> We need to carve out some time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Sam, where can our listeners find you? You can find me online at rpgmusings.com. You can also find me on Twitter at DM Samuel or on Mastodon at dice.camp. Is it at, is it, at, how is, how does Mastodon do it again? At DM dice, Samuel at, DM at Samuel, dice.camp. At dice.camp. Yeah. I forgot the ats. There's yeah, two yeah. ats in there. It's weird. Anyway. Yeah. How about you, sir? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Brenda Stoddard, uh, on Mastodon at Brenda Stoddard at Dice.Camp. Um, I write for Tribality.com. My personal blog is BrendaStoddard.com, and my Patreon is Brenda Stoddard. Uh, if you enjoy Sam's work and my work, we have these Patreons you can use to support us. That'd be super cool of you. Uh, also, you can go subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is RPG Musings. Absolutely do that. Awesome. So, uh, in in conclusion, I really want to go back to one of the old messages of this show. Trans rights are human rights. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone.